All right, today you get a combo pack of a sermon, all right? Combo pack, you get a number three supersized. We are uh, combining our Palm Sunday emphasis with uh, the uh, finale, if you will, of our book, The DNA of a Christ Follower, The Eight Essential Traits. And we have been going through one trait every week, uh, but you can only stick eight traits in a six-week series if you uh, combine a few. So today is the, uh, it's kind of like cramming for the end of the semester. You just uh, throw them all in there at the end. So uh, we're going to continue on with that and connect that to uh, our Palm Sunday focus. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem. We've talked about it. Uh, we've looked at the palms. We've read the scripture on it. And as he comes into Jerusalem, uh, this is the last week of his life. If, this, if there was an 80s theme song that should be playing while Jesus is riding that donkey, it would be the final countdown. Can you hear it? Has a good ring to it as Jesus is riding a little donkey into town. I hope that doesn't... Um, make the text unsacred it may just a little bit um if this was a horse race it'd be that it'd be that final cavalry charge if it was um you know this this is it if you will Uh, and lord of the rings when when after you know nine hours of of footage at least in the movies frodo goes into the the very heart of the enemy into the heart of mordor at mount doom the place of sauron's fortress this is it jesus is going into the final week of his life and the moment jesus gets on that donkey and starts riding into jerusalem the clock begins to tick it is only a matter of time before jesus's words stir up the enemy in such a way that jesus himself will be crucified jesus goes Uh, into Jerusalem, and there's a lot of symbolism going on. Uh, Not only is Jesus the king uh, who's being hailed, and they're laying down their cloaks and their palm branches before him, but right after this verse in Matthew, Jesus goes into Jerusalem, and he goes into the temple, the very heart of Jerusalem, the very heart of Israel, the very place that if God's will is going to be done anywhere in the world, if if there is any place where, there's, where there is a holy place, that place is supposed to be the temple. That is the place that God's will uh, begins and should be done right then and there. Well, Jesus goes into the temple, the heart of where the mission of God is supposed to be happening, and he turns the place upside down, turns over the tables, and hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 21, verse 12. It says, Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves, and he said to them, It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Jesus is saying, look, Israel, you have failed. You have not done what God created you to do. This is a word and an act of judgment from God through Jesus on Israel. They have not done what God called them to do ever since Genesis chapter 12 when God said, I will bless you and through you all the families of the world will be blessed. Instead, Israel, over the centuries, and you can see here, they hoarded for themselves the blessings of God and they kept other people away from entering into God's blessing. This act of judgment upon 
the temple and upon Israel is all a part of Jesus' mission. It's all a part of God's plan of salvation. And it is a plan so that Jesus himself, because Israel failed to be the blessing, Jesus is saying, fine, I will take on the role of blessing. Jesus is the new Israel. Jesus is creating a new Israel in his own people, blessed in order to be a blessing. This sets us up to remember the final week of Jesus' life. The Last Supper on Thursday, uh, the crucifixion on Friday, and of course the resurrection on Sunday. And we can see in all of this uh, the final three traits that we have in our book, the DNA of a Christ follower, uh, and therefore the DNA of Christ. I think we have that list. Here's the list. Uh, We've done those first five, and so today we're going to look on those last three. Persevering, God-dependent, and focused on eternity. Let's start with perseverance. Perseverance assumes risk, discomfort, resistance, temptation, and even persecution. We see all of these in the final week of Jesus' life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We persevere because Jesus himself persevered he is the pioneer of our faith that means he has gone before us when you face struggles and challenges in your life and in your faith you're not really carving any new roads we have a high priest who sympathizes with us we have a Jesus who's entered into the fullness of the human condition and so God knows your pain Jesus has experienced struggle trial temptation oppression, persecution. He knows these things. These are not unfamiliar to the God that you have come to worship today. We can persevere because Jesus persevered. So I want to ask you, where is God calling you to persevere in your life? Think about where you're at in your life right now. Where are you experiencing temptation or resistance or discomfort or risk, fear, even persecution. Where in your life might God be calling you to persevere? You know, seeking and doing God's will is not always easy. In our American culture, sometimes we are tempted to buy into this false gospel that says, well, everything in life is meant to be comfortable. And the whole goal of life is just to get through life as comfortably as possible. And it's kind of easy to let that be our default mode. But Scripture and Jesus, it all assumes that if you're going to be a follower of Christ in this world, life is not always going to be comfortable. There are moments and places when we must persevere. persevere. Seeking and doing God's will is not always easy, but most good things are worth fighting for, and godly things are worth fighting for. Check yourself to make sure that God is indeed calling you to go in the direction that you are in. 
even Jesus, on the night before he gave up his life, kind of did a double check. He's like, God, is this really your will? Is it really your will that I have to go through this? That's always a good thing to do in the midst of struggle and in the midst of trial, is to check, God, am I, am I experiencing resistance right now because that's just par for the course of following you? Or am I experiencing resistance because maybe you don't want me to do this? Sometimes when we experience resistance in our life, it's God trying to get our attention, isn't it? If, if you, for example, if, you're, if you find yourself being a workaholic, then it's possible that God might be saying, look, you're not doing, you're not living the life I've called you to live. That might be a resistance and it can come in the forms of high blood pressure or anything else. Um, that might be God saying, you really need to, this isn't really something you got to persevere in. Sometimes we're persevering in the wrong direction. So it's always good to say, God, is this, is this your will? Is this, is this what you want? Always good to have that check time and time again. But often, resistance in our lives is God's allowing us to be tested so that God can strengthen us, so that God can increase our faith, so that God can stretch us. Uh, just like someone who exercises pushes through that resistance so that they can become stronger, there's really no other way for God to make us stronger than to have those times where we are called to persevere. Maybe you need to persevere in your relationships. Maybe you need to persevere in your marriage. Maybe you need to persevere with your kids or grandkids or your parents. Maybe you need to persevere in your job. Maybe you need to persevere in trusting God when the numbers aren't adding up. Maybe you need to persevere in trusting God when things just don't seem to be going your way. How are you being called to persevere? Finally, let us keep in mind that Christians today around the world are being persecuted uh, in ways that are even if not greater than ever before in the history of the world. We have brothers and sisters uh, around the globe who experience intense persecution. Those brothers and sisters can teach us a lot about persevering. It puts our world into perspective. Let us pray for them around the world whose lives are on the line because of their faith in Jesus. As you find yourself praying for their perseverance, then you will find in yourself potentially the strength to persevere as well. So Jesus reflected perseverance as he runs his race that is set before him, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The second one is God dependence. God dependence. Jesus giving up his life on the cross is the ultimate act of surrender, of dependence upon God his Father. Think about how and where God might be inviting you to trust him. Think about in your life, are there places and areas of your life where you, where you realize, I'm not trusting God with this. I'm not trusting God with my finances. I'm not trusting God with this relationship. I'm not trusting God with my calendar, my schedule. Think about those areas where you're kind of hanging on to it yourself because we have this tendency to want to live life our way, don't we? We want to do our thing. It's this stubborn, selfish part of of us that's called sin and it's been woven into us uh, ever since Genesis chapter 3 and we still have to come every week and confess it 
we still have to say, God, forgive me. We still have to say, God, would you change me and help me to overcome the power of sin? Think about the areas in your life that give you anxiety. The places in your life are, uh, that are anxious are likely the places in your life that are opportunities to practice God dependence. Take those anxieties and turn them into prayers. That's the practice of depending upon God. Lord, this causes anxiety in my heart and in my life. I lay this down. I give this to you. Show me what you want me to do. Help me to let go of the things that I was never meant to try to control anyway. Do you trust God with these areas of your life? I believe that God is inviting us to trust Him. I believe that God allows our life to get a little messy, to get a little crazy, to get a little out of control, so that there's this opportunity for us to cry out to Him. Imagine if everything in your life always went the way you wanted it to. Would you ever cry out to God? I don't know if I would. I find myself only crying out to God when things get a little tough. It's just a reminder of my own brokenness. It's just a reminder of the broken condition. It's a reminder of my need for a Savior and my need for a God to place my trust in. What areas is God calling you to depend upon Him? These areas of life are those which we humbly realize that we don't have the power to do on our own. These are the places in life where God is saying, hey, just give that to me. I can handle that. Why don't you just lay that down? Just lay it down on the altar and let me have that and, and leave it there. I will take care of this for you. Do you hear God saying that to you today? God is good and we can trust him. God has proven his goodness to us and he's proven his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. When you see Jesus, who not only had the courage and the fortitude to go into Jerusalem, to turn over those tables, to start the clock on his own death, but he went all the way through to the end and he was proven in those moments to be faithful. He did not sin in the midst of the deepest trial and challenge of his life that shows and reveals his own goodness. That man who died upon a cross is worthy of our trust. He is ultimately good. When you believe that Jesus is good, when you believe that God is good, then depending upon him gets a lot easier. Do you believe it today, church? Do you believe in the ultimate goodness of God? That goodness is revealed in this week as we remember that final week of Christ. So we talked about perseverance. We talked about dependence on God. Finally, the last attribute or trait of a DNA of a Christ follower is focused on eternity. Focused on eternity. I want to pick it up again at Hebrews 12, chapter 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. For the sake of the joy set before him. Imagine Jesus knowing that he was going to be crucified on a Roman cross one of the most humiliating ways to die in the history of all humanity, 
How in the world do you see past that? And it says, for the sake of the joy set before him. Meaning that Jesus had some kind of vision for something on the other side of that cross, didn't he? And we're getting into the things that are eternal. That resurrected Christ who appeared to the disciples is the eternal Christ. It's the body that will not be corrupted. Jesus' faith and trust in God gave him that vision of the joy set before him. And that allowed him to get through whatever was between here and there. Death is the universal sign of our brokenness and our sin. It is the ultimate reminder that we need salvation and grace and resurrection and life and that we by our own capacity cannot do this to ourselves. We need the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to be in our hearts so that that same spirit will someday raise us from the dead as well. Do you focus on eternity? Do you focus on anything on the other side of your own death? Eternity for the Christ follower must always be on the horizon. It must always be a part of our visual field as we look down the road of life. Eternity places our current conditions and situation into the right and proper perspective. Eternity does not take us out of the present moment. It doesn't escape us from our moment, but it gives all meaning to our present moment. It is our hope and it is our vision. When we lose heart, when we fail to persevere when we lose our dependence upon God then it is likely because we have lost our eternal perspective when we lose an eternal perspective we get caught up in the things of this world in such a way that we lose hope we lose faith we lose the big picture of life how easy is it to get caught up in a perspective that does not include what God has done and will promise to do through Jesus. We believe in a man who died, who was raised again, who ascended into heaven, who is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and who rules over all of heaven and earth, of, who, of which has been given authority to him. And someday that man will return to rule over a new heaven and a new earth. That is our eternal perspective that is our story that is our vision that is our hope and his name is Jesus he is our Hosanna he is the one who has come to save us that same Jesus who walked in Jerusalem held as a king by those humble faithful is now held as a king for eternity for all those who are humble and faithfully worship him that is worthy of our worship, and that is worthy of our lives today and forevermore. Let us pray. Lord, you are good, and you are right, and you are holy. You are so good that you have the authority to go turn over the tables in the temple. And Lord, you have authority to come turn over the tables in the temples of our hearts. 
You have authority to clean house. We pray, Lord, and we invite you to come in and clean house in our hearts today. As we confess our sins, oh God, would you help us to find forgiveness and grace? As we get our hearts to be made right before you, O oh God, would you give us eyes to see your kingdom and ears to hear? Would you empower your people today to be a people who persevere, who don't shrink back, who don't give up, but continue on, not because of our power, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. Give us grace, O oh God. Give us vision. Give us a faith in you to know that we can trust you, that we can depend upon you, that you don't have to do anything else to prove yourself to be good and worthy because you have already done everything necessary. And yet at the same time, Lord, would you show us even in the littlest of things, in our days and in our moments and in our weeks, would you show us your faithfulness? Remind us of that faithfulness and the goodness of your character and give us the grace to walk in your ways. Forgive us of our sins. Make us right with you. Make us right with our neighbor and with one another and make us right as we go into this world. Give us a perspective, Lord, that is on the other side of sin and death. Give us a perspective that is a resurrection perspective. Help us to see beyond Good Friday to Easter Sunday. And help us to see the Easter Sundays coming in our lives as well. We love you, Lord. We're grateful. We pray that you would meet us in this place and in this time. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.